WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. Pride Month is wrapping up, and despite lots of progress in recent years, the fight for gay rights and trans rights continues in our state capital, in our nation's capital, and in our classrooms. There's an ongoing tug of war between those wanting to embrace and celebrate the LGBTQ community and those who do not. Today's fight more than 50 years in the making. Back in June 1969, police raided the Stonewall Inn and a popular gay bar in New York's Greenwich Village. At the time, homosexuality was considered criminal. It was common for police to raid bars like Stonewall. But this raid, this raid led to riots over the next six days. Well, every June after that, people took to the streets to march for equality. And by the way, the first pride here in Charlotte happened 40 years ago. Joining us today, Matt Comer, the communications director for Charlotte Pride. Matt, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. All right. So tell me uh, on this Pride Month, uh, are you more or are you less optimistic about gay rights than you were, say, one or two years ago? You know, I think our community certainly is experiencing challenges right now, especially the transgender community, and that's something that we really need to be paying attention to. But at the same time, I really am optimistic because we have spent so many of the past um, years, past decade, building a really strong, powerful community. Uh, we are resilient. We are united. So I, I think we'll be able to overcome any challenge thrown our way. Uh, one of the things that's made news recently is House Bill 755, known as the Parents' Bill of Rights um, up in Raleigh, stalled right now in the House there. Um, doesn't appear that there's the votes there to overcome what would be a, a governor's veto of it. Um, but it would basically restrict any LGBTQ instruction in elementary schools. Some have compared it to uh, Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill. Um, what, what is your assessment of this? Is, is this basically just, just like the Florida bill, uh, same intent, same sort of goal here, or, or is there a difference that you can tell? I think it's the, exactly the same intent. Uh, it would silence or at least quell, chill speech from students, uh, teachers, parents. Uh, but there's actually a worse part of the bill. The bill would also require school personnel to forcibly out LGBTQ students. Again, especially trans students who might be using a different name or different pronouns. Um, but I mean, there's also a risk, for example, that uh, if a closeted student wants to go to an LGBTQ student organization at a middle school or a high school, they could be forcibly outed to their parents. So um, it, it's, it's pretty extreme. And people, I think, sometimes forget that that, that not all kids out there um, have supportive home 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 lives, and we also know that LGBTQ uh, teens disproportionately consider suicide um, for for partially that reason, which is to the point you're making. Um, devil's advocate, though, if you're talking about the younger kids, you know, kindergarten through third grade, you know, I don't remember anything coming up in in, in my youth at that age as far as uh, uh, instruction when it comes to gay or trans issues. Um, is this much ado about nothing? Uh, no, I don't think so, because I think that every person has a sexual orientation and a gender identity. And these kind of conversations um, around families are going to be silenced or chilled. So is a kindergartner with two moms or a kindergartner with two dads going to be able to discuss their family vacation uh, when they come back from summer, summer break? Um, 
and I certainly don't think that the state is going to be telling um, schools that they can't read books that feature a mom and dad as the head of the family. You know, that uh, represents a sexuality, a, a gender, um, two people's gender expression. So um, I think it will have a real effect, especially on children uh, who have LGBTQ parents and, and of course, LGBTQ teachers themselves. Yeah, it can fall both ways there. Um, when you start talking about sexuality and gender, and, and that can also mean heterosexuality. And, and um, it, yeah. last year, the, the city of Charlotte uh, finally passed its non-discrimination ordinance. It, it was several years uh, in, in the making um, after trying to do it five or six years ago. Why is it important that a city like Charlotte has that? You know, Charlotte is the largest city in the Carolinas. We're also home to the largest population of LGBTQ people who are employed across a wide variety of industries. Um, we want to keep our city strong. We want to keep our city vibrant um, beyond just the, the, the bare necessity of ensuring people have the right to go to work and not be fired or harassed because of who they are. Um, if we're living in a city where a significant you know, percentage of, of the city could be fired at any moment. Um, that's not going to make our city stronger or healthier. Um, this is Flashpoint, so we do talk politics, but but I, I think when it comes to some of these issues, um, people should be skeptical about politicians and their motives in, in these things. And, and um, what, what some people call culture wars, other people just say, no, those are just my rights. Um, that said, I, I do think there, there are, are, are good uh, uh, people on, on either side of some of these issues and, and some people who might not understand some of the other issues. My point in all of this is that I feel like politics really murkies the water and makes things a lot worse for a lot of people, which I think it, Brene Brown is the one who said it's hard to hate people up close. Uh, I, and I think, how do you overcome that? Because I feel like there, there's some good people um, who might not know a gay person, who might not know a trans person, who, who finds it a lot easier to sort of um, malign them by not knowing them, when if they just knew a person, that would go a long way in solving a lot of these things. And yes, politicians would still try to capitalize on it, but just human to human contact would really help in this situation. But, but what do you do about that? How do you make that happen? Well, I mean, Ben, I think you're exactly right. Homophobia, transphobia for centuries, has always been based on a fear of the unknown. And, and it's very easy for politicians uh, to play this game, this, this politics of fear, uh, because your average you know, run-of-the-mill citizen or resident um, responds powerfully to things they don't know about or, or just fear in general. Uh, we do know, uh, and we've seen this in the LGBTQ rights movement over many decades, that the more and more people who meet and know an LGBTQ family member, friend, coworker, um, that that begins to soften hearts and minds because people just want to uh, love and be kind to their family, friends, neighbors. And so once people are confronted with the reality that someone close to them is also LGBTQ, it takes it from a talking point on Twitter to something that is immediately uh, affecting the, their, their close relationships. Uh, so I think that's why things like uh, pride events are important because it gives an opportunity for the community to be out in public. Uh, it gives an opportunity for LGBTQ people in mass to visit local businesses, um, to meet other people. Um, I also think that's why it's important that we should, should not forget that this debate is often um, boiled down to Christianity versus 
LGBTQ people. There are LGBTQ people like me who are people of faith who are also Christian. Uh, this is a much more nuanced uh, conversation and, and really LGBTQ people are everywhere. Um, so the more that people meet us, I think the more that, that our rights will be sustained. And um, some well-meaning straight folks might sometimes get confused, but but this is this is Pride Month. But Charlotte Pride is not in Pride Month. Charlotte Pride is actually no. in August. Um, preview that for us. Look ahead to that and, and explain that to us, and then we got to go. Sure. So August twentieth and twenty-first, we're back. We're planning is already at a fever pitch. We're about two months out. Um, we are excited, planning for a significant increase in the number of folks who are coming. Our last in-person event in 2019 had 200,000. We think there's a lot of pent-up demand uh, for folks to get out and about uh, and, and have fun. Um, but to your other question, while we're in August, it's a really simple, boring answer, actually. Way back in the day, once upon a time, the city had a lot of major street festivals in May and June already. Um, and we wanted to work well with the city. We wanted to make sure that we were able to have our event. The city staff was able to to keep up um, and August was was that date. Plus it allows local folks to go to some of the smaller pride events that happen in June, like in Rock Hill or Salisbury. The very simple, very mundane reason why this is Pride Month, but Charlotte Pride is in August. Matt Comer, listen, always appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, happy Pride. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to a special Pride edition of Flashpoint. Joining us now, Rel Lowry. Rel is the transgender liaison for Charlotte Black Pride. Rel, thanks for coming on, we appreciate it. No problem, thank you for having me. Um, I think this is a really important uh, opportunity because um, I, I feel like some of our viewers m may not know or they might not realize they know uh, a trans person in their life. And I think it's a, an important discussion to have here. What is it like to, to be a, a trans man here in Charlotte today? Um, right now, I think we're, the Pride season has just started, so we're kind of on a positive note, um, but we're not naive to the fact that there's still a lot of work that has to be done in our community. We're still second deadliest highest city in the uh, country for trans violence, and we still have records for trans women being assaulted and murdered in Charlotte. So while we're celebrating, there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, it's sort of doubling down on what you're talking about right there. Uh, according to HRC, 2021 was the deadliest year for, for trans and non-binary people across the country. 50 people uh, violently killed, as you mentioned, several of those here in the Charlotte area. Um, what, what kind of effect does that have on the trans community? Um, it makes us stick together a lot more. Um, at the same time, it also just reminds us that Although we've seen some progress with the non-discrimination ordinance and things like that, there's still a lot of hatred for our community, not just the trans community, but the LGBTQ plus community as a whole. There's still a lot of hatred, underlining hatred that is that is still there. And um, unfortunately, it seems as though people are starting to bring that to the surface. They're a lot more comfortable um, showing that other side and, and, and reacting. And also the violence, people have become a lot more comfortable, you know, just being hateful and being physically hateful to people. So um, it definitely makes you more aware of your surroundings. I know for myself, I'm a lot more aware of my surroundings. I'm a lot more conscious of the people that I'm around. I'm a lot more conscious when I go into places. 
Um, and I can speak for that for myself and, and a lot of other trans people, specifically our trans women of color that have to deal with this every single day. You know, when they leave out their front door, they have to make sure that they're aware of their surroundings because of the comfortability that, that people have, have gotten now that is it's okay to say anything to someone. It's okay to treat them anyway. It's okay to, to physically harm them because they may be different. And until we get some hard laws passed that are actually gonna make these people accountable, we, we've still got a long way to go. Despite recent years of some progress, what do you uh, attribute the, the, this renewed hostility on? Um, I think it was always there. I don't think it just started um, because we've, you know, for those of us in the community, we've celebrated what we've had to, it's not even really a celebration, but it's a celebration of life, but we've had to have Trans Day of Remembrance for years. And that's a day that we have to celebrate those that have gone before us. And the majority of those that go before us are lost, lives lost through violence. And the bulk of them are the trans women of color. A lot of them are dead names, so that's a lot of times those reports are, are kind of swept under the rug, but those are facts. There's an actual holiday that we have to have to remember those people, and every year those numbers continue to increase. We haven't seen a year where they decreased yet, um, and unfortunately those numbers are skyrocketing as we go into 2022, and we're only halfway there. You mentioned dead named. It's a, it's a phrase that some folks in the audience may not be familiar with. Um, in the news media, we're familiar with it because it's something that, that we we have to sort of um, um, appreciate and be sensitive to. Uh, explain that to us. So pretty much dead naming is once somebody has made the decision to change their name, change their pronouns, um, when you still address them as their previous name or what their, their records show from birth, um, what's on their birth certificate at that time, you know, and not being conscious and not being respectful of what they've decided that they want to be addressed as, whether that comes from their pronouns or their name that they've had changed. So dead naming is basically calling them who they were before. A Wake County teacher uh, resigned just a few weeks ago because um, uh, she was using LGBTQ themed flashcards. Um, one teacher, a pregnant person, some interpreted that to be what appeared to be a pregnant man. Um, are these sort of the issues that you feel are, are sort of ginned up um, just to get a reaction from people um, with real actual consequences um, for people like yourself? I think right now those are topics that are that are continuously continuously being pushed and the narrative is being pushed as though teachers are trying to force this conversation on children. At the, at the end of the day, we have to realize that we're in 2022 being trans or being a part of the LGBTQ plus community is not something that is rare anymore. If you don't know anybody that's in that community, you need to get outside because we're here. We're not going anywhere. And to make it seem as though that's a negative thing for teachers to put out there to the children, it's just educating them on people that they're going to have to deal with in their adult lives. Why would you close that out as though they're not going to have to? It's normal. We're here. We're in schools, we're in grocery stores, we're in banks, we're in salons, we're everywhere. So to make it seem as though we just need to erase that from anything that they need to know about, it's not going to, it's not going to change anything. If anything, it's going to allow them to be much more open-minded than my generation and the generation behind me because we're not pretending that this group of marginalized people doesn't exist. What is your message to the folks watching this at home who might not know a trans person 
um, and might be skeptical of trans rights, what would be your message to them? Understand that we're here and we're not going anywhere, but also understanding that just because you may not think you know anybody that's trans, nine times out of 10, there's somebody in your circle. So don't wait for our rights to matter when it addresses somebody, when it addresses somebody, a part of your friends or your family or your community. It should matter regardless if you know somebody directly or indirectly, because we're all people at the end of the day and we don't just worry about our rights, we worry about your rights as well. So we expect the same in return. Well said, uh, the rights of everybody are important and it shouldn't just matter when it affects you personally. Um, and that goes for, for lawmakers and regular neighbors as well out there. All right, well, listen, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. No problem, I appreciate you guys having me. Happy Pride. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to a special Pride edition of Flashpoint. A transgender charlatan is opening up about her journey and how she finally feels supported both at work and in her personal life. But as WCNC Charlotte's Lexi Wilson shows us, it hasn't always been that way. Madison Hyatt pretty much always knew. I knew when I was a kid. Uh, I knew when I was, you know, like four years old. But just last year, she finally started living her truth. I am 45 years old and identify as a woman of transgender experience. An experience that hasn't been easy. An experience she says her parents never validated. Told me that if I ever came back, they would make sure I died. And, uh, and so I haven't been back and I have no desire to get back. Now she's moving forward. Oh, I love it here. Hyatt is a Pathways career navigator for Goodwill. I've got people that I'm helping through school. I've got people that I'm helping to break into new career fields. While she works to support others, Goodwill is working to support her. The company has formally changed her name in their system and has approved paid time off for her gender affirming surgery taking place in August. I am so excited about that and I'm so ready for my body to look like how it's always felt. For some people, the transgender journey may be tough to understand or to empathize with. And it's not a choice, it's just who we are. I just want to be able to work, take care of myself, take care of my family, and live the best life possible. Hyatt believes that by sharing her story, it could allow someone to be their authentic self. Not being who you are is a horrible, horrible experience. And I'm, that, that's not something that's gonna happen with me again. I'm too old. <laughs> and another reason Madison put off living her true self was that she became a parent. She adopted two kids, but now they're all grown up and out of the house. So she says now is the time for her to focus on herself. Reporting at Goodwill's Opportunity Campus for WCNC Charlotte, I'm Lexi Wilson. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to a special Pride edition of Flashpoint. The drag community is growing, and, and while you've probably heard of a drag queen, have you ever heard of a drag king? WCNC Charles Jane Monreal introduces us to one right here in our area. It's one of my favorite jackets. Liam Laffin says he didn't even know drag kings existed until about two years ago during the pandemic. That's when a panache for striking makeup and different looks turned into a passion. As I got older, I got into theater, and then actually started getting into cosplay, which is emulating characters. And I found myself being more drawn towards the male characters than the female characters. 
And so I guess being a drag king has always kind of been there for me. So has a day job that keeps laughing busy. I am a realtor for Allen Tate Company in Rock Hill. I've been a realtor for 14 years. And yes, clients know about the other gig. Some have even seen it firsthand. And I'd be in the middle of painting my face and a buyer will be like, can we go see this house? And I'm going, all right, it's going to be Liam showing. Are you okay with that? They're like, yes, that's great. <laughs> Laffin's also upfront about their personal life. I came out last year uh, officially. I mean, I've been out with my friends and my family for since I was 17 years old, but I officially came out uh, for my community. Uh, that way, if there was somebody like me out there that was struggling with their identity, uh, that they had somebody to see and be present and say you're not alone. Come interact with us folks on social media. Let us know what you thought about the show, if there's something else you want us to cover in future shows. And we'll see you back here next weekend.